Joel, a boy of Galilee. Chapter 5 It was Sabbath morning in the house of Laban. The Pharisee, Joel, sitting alone in the courtyard, could hear his aunt talking to the smaller children as she made them ready to take with her to the synagogue. From the upper chamber on the roof came also a sound of voices, for two guests had arrived the day before and were talking earnestly with their host. Joe already knew the object of their visit. They had been there before when the preaching of John Baptist had drawn such great crowds from all the cities to the banks of the Jordan. They had been sent out then by the authorities in Jerusalem to see what manner of man was this who, clothed in skins and living in the wilderness, could draw the people so wonderfully and arouse such intense excitement. Now they had come on a like errand, although on their own authority. Another prophet had arisen, whom this John Baptist had declared to be greater than himself. They had seen him drive the money changers from the temple. They had heard mild rumors concerning him, so they followed him to his home in the little village of Nazareth, where they heard him talk in the synagogue. They had seen the listening crowd grow amazed at the eloquence of his teaching, and then indignant that one so humble as a car carpenter's son should claim that Isaiah's prophecies had been fulfilled in himself now had come to Capernaum that all this Joe heard and more as the earnest voices came came distinctly down to him through the deep hush of the Sabbath stillness it shook his faith somewhat even in the goodness of this friend of his friend Phineas that these two learned doctors of the law should consider him an imposter he stood aside respectfully for them to pass as they came down the outside stairway and crossed the courtyard on their way to the morning service, their long, flowing white robes, their broad phylacteries, their dignified bearing impressed him greatly. He knew, he knew they were wise, good men whose only aim in life was to keep the letter of the law down to its smallest details. He followed them through the streets till they came to the synagogue. They gave no greeting to anyone they passed, but walked with reverently bowed heads, that their pious meditation might not be disturbed by the outside world. His aunt had already gone by the way of the back streets, as it was customary for women to go, her face closely veiled. The synagogue of finely chiseled limestone, with its double rows of great marble pillars, stood in its white splendor, the pride of the town. It had been built by the commander of the garrison, who, though a Roman centurion, was a believer in the God of the Hebrews, and greatly loved by the whole people. Joel glanced up at the lintel over the door, wherein his rod and a pot of manna carved in the stone were constant reminders to the daily worshippers of the hand that fed and guided them from generation to generation. Joel limped slowly to his place in the congregation. In the seats of honor facing it sat his uncle and his guests among the rulers of the synagogue. For a moment his eyes wandered curiously around hoping for a glimpse of the man whose fame was beginning to spread all over Galilee. It had been rumored that he would be there, but Joel saw only familiar faces. The elders took their seats. 
during the reading of the usual psalm, the reciting of a benediction, and even the confession of the creed, Joe's thoughts wandered. When the reader took up his scroll to read the passages from Deuteronomy, the boy stole one more quick glance all around. But as the whole congregation arose and turned facing the east, he resolutely fixed his mind on the duties of the hour. The eighteen benedictions, or prayers, were recited in silence by each devout worshipper. Then the leader repeated them aloud, all the congregation responding with their deep Amen and Amen. Joe always liked that part of the service and the chanting that followed. Another row of parchment was brought out. The boy looked up with interest. Probably one of his uncle's guests would be invited to read from it and speak to the people. No, it was a stranger whom he had not noticed before, sitting behind one of the tall elders who was thus honored. Joel's heart beat so fast that the blood throbbed against his eardrums as he heard the name called. It was the friend of his friend, Phineas. Jesus, Joel bent forward, all his soul in his eyes, as the stranger unrolled the book and began to read from the prophets. The words were old, familiar ones. He even knew them by heart. But never before had they carried with them such music, such meaning. When he laid aside the roll and began to speak, ever fiber in the boy's being thrilled in response to the wonderful eloquence of that voice and teaching. The whole congregation sat spellbound, forgetful of everything except the earnestness of the speaker, who moved and swayed them as the wind does the waving wheat. Suddenly there arose a wild shriek. A howl that transfixed them with its piercing horror. Everyone turned to see the cause of the startling sound. There, near the door, stood a man whom they all knew, an unhappy creature, said to be possessed. Ha! he cried in a blood-curling tone. What have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. There was a great stir, especially in the woman's gallery, and those standing nearest him backed away as far as possible. Every face was curious and excited at this sudden interruption. Every face but one by Jesus alone was calm. Hold thy peace and come out of him, he commanded. There was one more shriek, worse than before, as the man fell at his feet in a convulsion. But in a moment he stood up again, quiet and perfectly sane. The wild look was gone from his eyes. Whatever had been the strange spell that had bound him before, he was now absolutely free. There was another stir in the woman's gallery. Contrary to all rule or custom, an aged woman pushed her way out. Down the stairs she went, unveiled through the ranks of the men, to reach her son, whom she had just seen restored to reason. With a glad cry, she fell forward, fainting in his arms, and was borne away to the little home, now no longer darkened by the shadow of a sore affliction. Little else was talked about that day, till the rumor of another miracle began to spread through the town. Phineas, stopping at Laban's house on his way home from an afternoon service, confirmed the truth of it. One of his neighbors had been dangerously ill with a fever that was common in that part of the country. She was the mother-in-law of Simon Barjona. It was at his home that Jesus had been invited to dine. As soon as he entered the house, they besought him to heal her. Standing beside her, he rebuked the fever, and immediately she arose and began to help her daughter prepare for the entertainment of their guest. 
Abigail was there yesterday, she said Phineas, to carry some broth she had made. She thought then it would be impossible for the poor creature to live through the night. I saw the woman a few hours ago, and she is perfectly well and strong. That night, when the sun was setting and the Sabbath was at an end, a motley crowd streamed along the streets to the door of Simon Barjona. Men carried on couches, children in their mother's arms, those wasted by burning fevers, those shaken by unceasing palsy, the lame, the blind, the death-stricken, all pressing hopefully on. When a scene in the, that little courtyard, as the sunset touched the wan faces and smiled into dying eyes, hope for the hopeless, balm for the broken in body and spirit. There was rejoicing in nearly every home in Capernaum that night, for none were turned away, not one was refused. It is written, He laid his hand on every one of them, and healed them, that he might not seem behind his guests in zeal and devotion to the law, the dignified layman would not follow the crowds. Let others be carried away by strange doctrines and false prophets, if they will, he declared, as for me and my house we will cling to the true faith of our fathers said Laban. So the three sat in the upper chamber on the roof and discussed the new teacher with many shakes of their heads. It is not lawful to heal on the Sabbath day, they declared. Twice during the past day he has openly transgressed the law. He will lead all Galilee stray, they said. But Galilee cared little how far the path turned from the narrow faith of the Pharisees, so long as it led to life and healing. Down in the garden below, the children climbed up on the grape arbor and peered through the vines at the surging crowds which they would have joined had it not been for Laban's strict commands. One by one, the people wa they watched people whom they knew go by, some carried on litters, some leaning on the shoulders of friends. One man crawled painfully along on his knee hands and knees. After a while, the same people began to come back. Look quick, Joe, one of the children cried. There goes Simon ben Levi. Why, his palsy is all gone. He doesn't shake a bit now. And there's little Martha that lives out near Aunt Rebecca's. Don't you know how white and thin she looked when they carried her by a little while ago? See, she is running along by herself now as well as we are. The children could hardly credit their own sense of sight when neighbors they had known all their lives to be bedridden. Invalids came back cured, singing and praising God. It was a sight they could never forget. So they watched wonderingly till darkness fell, and the last happy-hearted healed one had gone home to a rejoicing household, while the fathers on the roof were deciding they would have naught of this man. The children in the great barber were storing up in their simple little hearts these proofs of his power and kindness. Then they gathered around Joel on the doorstep while he repeated the story that the old shepherd Heber had told him of the angels and the star and the baby they had worshipped that night in Bethlehem. Come, children, called his Aunt Leah as she lit the lamp that was to burn all night. Come, it is bedtime. His cousin Hannah lingered a moment after the others had gone in to say, That was a pretty story, Joel. Why don't you go and ask the good men to straighten your back? Strange as it may seem, this was the first time the thought had occurred to him that he might be benefited himself. He had been so long accustomed to thinking of himself as hopelessly lame that the wonderful cures he had witnessed had awakened no hope for himself.
A new life seemed to open before, up before him at the little girl's question. He sat on the doorstep thinking about it until his uncle Layman came down and crossly ordered him to go to bed. He went in saying softly to himself, I will go to him tomorrow. Yes, early in the morning. Strange that an old proverb should cross his mind just then. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic. <laughs>